Happy Easter, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here, and this is Easter Sunday 2015, and just so excited about, about that, excited about sharing this um, just celebration with you guys. Um, and I wanted to start out uh, today with uh, something we actually did on Christmas Eve, um, I just thought it was really powerful and, and just wanted to bring it back. Uh, Ted Chamberlain wrote a book called, If This Is Your Land, Where Are Your Stories? And basically, uh, it, it's a book about when the um, Northwest Territories in British Columbia were having con conflict with the Gitson tribe about whose land uh, it, was it. And Basically, uh, the, the Canadian government had come in and they went to the Gitsan tribe and showed them this piece of paper and said, this is our land. And, and they looked at it and then they finally was like, well, if this is your land, well, where are your stories? And the truth is that a piece of paper doesn't show that you belong. It's the stories that you know. That's the stories that you tell that, that show that you belong. My family, I was thinking about this. We have stories that we tell every time we are together, every single time. There's, there's the story of my brother when he was a little kid, and, uh, and he had a handful of snails, and he was popping them in his mouth and, and, and eating them. And then my mother, to her uh, horror, realized that they had just put poison all in the, in the backyard to kill the snails, and there was my brother eating, you know, escargot with the, with the shells on and things like that. And we laugh about that. And uh, there's a story about the first time that, that I was ever in snow and my uh, parents were totally unprepared for it and all my friends were outside and they, their parents had prepared for it and, and everything. So my mom, wanting to be a good mom, uh, wanted me to be able to go and play with my friends and my brother and all that. Uh, she wouldn't let me go out without a toque, uh, without a, a hat on. So she took a pair of my underwear and pulled it over my head. <laughs> And like my face sticking out of it. I was a little kid. I didn't know. And I run out there. And as you can imagine, all the older boys, uh, you, that's a bullying video, you know, waiting, waiting to happen. And one of my uh, more favorite stories about my mom, uh, you know, she's from England. So, you know, and... Uh, I know it's a qualifier, but uh, uh, and I just I just love her. But sometimes things just don't come out correctly. We are all at my brother's favorite Mexican restaurant, and this waiter comes up in California, in Los Angeles, and he comes up in in perfect English and and asks my mom if she would like a, a glass of water, and without even thinking, she's like, "I don't speak Mexican." And, <laughs> And the waiter, God bless them, said, that's why I told you in English. And uh, it was just, these are the stories. These are the, the stories of the McNeese family. And we all have these kind of stories. And these stories show that we belong. And the same is true, not only with our families, but, but our churches, we, you know, in our church, that we have stories we have stories about, about the times uh, that, that make us laugh and, and, and make us cry. Uh, we have stories of, of things that, that matter uh, to us. 
And then also, we have stories of our faith. We have the stories that show that we actually belong to these faith, these stories that, that we tell again and again. And even though we know how the stories go, and, and, and you know, in your family stories, you all know how the story is going to end, but you still connect, you still enjoy it, you still love it. So this is what I would like to do. We did this on Christmas Eve, and it just it was so wonderful, I wanted to do it again. I want you guys to tell me, or tell all of us, let's tell the story of Easter together. Now, not, not the story of the Passover, which, uh, you know, we had a Passover Seder here on Thursday. That's part of the story of our church. Not the, the story of Good Friday. We were here on Good Friday, and we told that story. It was a very powerful thing. I want to tell the story of Easter. So, what happened first in the story of Easter? You can just yell it out. Mary? Just Mary? Martha? Some other ladies. It depends. I, 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 I got to tell you, I cheated. I read all four Gospels this week just to make sure I, I had it straight. And, and they all tell the story a little bit differently, which is true in uh, how we tell stories. You know, my mom would probably tell the I don't speak Mexican story differently than I, than I would tell it. But so we uh, all have that. So, okay. So some ladies who were close to Jesus, can we all agree on that? What did they do? They went to the tomb, and, and why did they go to the tomb? Put spices on the body to prepare the body and things like that. Okay, what did they find when they got to the tomb? The stone had turned, or turned away, the stone had been rolled away. And then what happened? There was an angel. Or in, in, I believe, Luke's account, there was, there was two angels. Um, so one or, or two or, or more, uh, we're not exactly sure, but there was definitely angels. There was a, what did the angel or angels tell the women? Don't be afraid and? Why are you looking, what are you looking for? And, what, and then they get chastised a little bit, if you remember by the, the, the angel, right? What did the angels say? What the matter with you? Yeah. We got the northeastern angel over here. What's the matter with you? Forget about it. You know, go have some pizza or something. You know. Uh, no, go tell the disciples. Um, there's, there's a key thing I'm looking for here. What, why are you looking for Jesus here? He told you to go meet him in Galilee, right? They didn't listen, and they're like, okay, so then where, what did the women do? They took off. Where? Upper room. Where? Okay, and then what happened? Okay, you guys know the story. We got it. Somebody over here. This is the back of the class over here. Okay, you're wondering how this room's oriented? This is the front. You're in the back. Somebody, what happens? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? They didn't believe her so? They ran to the tomb. And I always love John's account of running to the tomb. He, he points out that he outran Peter, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's guys. Like, I just, I just want to 
record that I outran Peter. I was faster than him. So, boom. The stories show that we belong. If if you are not part of the, of the story of God, if this is your first time here, if this is the first time that you've heard the Easter story or something like it, you know, you, you can't participate. Uh, and, and stories are powerful because power, stories show you belong or show that you aren't part of a group. Now, if I went to a, a mosque or if I went to um, some other place that I'm, I'm not part of their faith or part of their organization, I couldn't participate in these stories which show separation. But we're going to focus on the belonging because God is a God of invitation. The great thing is that, that God invites us to be part of His story. So, to be true to the story, I, I would like to read Mark's account Um, to you. Sunday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of uh, James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus's body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where he laid his body. Now go and tell the disciples, including Peter. No, this is good. Why including Peter? Peter, we know the story. Right. So if you denied Jesus three times, you'd probably think you were on the out, right? So so God is saying, look, you know what? Even Peter, go and tell Peter that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. I love that. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and and bewildered, and said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterwards, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. And in Matthew's account, that's where Jesus gives the great commission that I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, um, and therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to follow me. So we started out with this video. So how does this empty tomb, why does this matter? How can it change your life? I think it's a, it's a great question. It is... Uh, a very poignant question that, 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 you know what, I think a lot of us may not have um, clarity on. And I think we may not have clarity on it because we separate the tomb a lot of times from Jesus and his teachings. And Pastor Eric wrote some scripture, wrote some, wrote, he didn't write it, read, <laughs> read some scripture, um, about from Paul 
about just how uh, we should be pitied and that, that everything rests on the resurrection. Tim Keller, in one of his books, one of my favorite quotes, said this about, about uh, the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teachings, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Everything hinges on this. How you internalize, if you, if you actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead, it's not a metaphor or it's not, you know, some embellished teachings or the disciples, you know, just tried to create. Really, if this is the separating point of why it matters. And I understand that for many of us, it is a difficult thing to believe. And I don't think we should feel too bad about that, to be honest with you, because the women didn't believe it. The disciples didn't believe it. No one believed it until it happened. Jesus flat out told them it was going to happen. They just flat out just did not believe him. And, you know, I mean, you think about it, dead people stay dead. That's the reality. Dead people stay dead. Hollywood has made zillions and billions of dollars on movies where dead people don't stay dead. <laughs> right? And there's TV shows, The Walking Dead. There, there's, you know, The Walking Dead 2. There, you know, I mean, there, there's all, you know, World War Z. Anybody see that? Yeah, Brad Pitt. So, it's, it's freaky, it's scary, it doesn't ever happen. But it happened this once. And over 2,000 years later, we are still recognizing it. But over 2,000 years later, there are still those who wonder why it matters. And why it matters to our lives is if it is true, which I believe it is, that it changes everything because if it's true, then this person, the only person to raise himself from the dead, things that he said matters. His teachings matter. And one thing that I think, if there was one verse I could just kind of pluck out of, of Jesus' teachings that I believe change everything and was very difficult for me to grab hold on is, is, is John 14, 12. John 14, 12, I think, is one of the most difficult things that Jesus ever taught and said. And this is what it is. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. I have a pretty high view of Jesus. So if you, somebody says, you know what? Or Jesus says, look, in this case, right? That if you believe in me, you will do the same works that 
I have done an even greater. And at this point, you look at that and you're like, well, Jesus, you know, you fed the 5,000. Jesus, you healed blind people. Jesus, you healed the lame. Jesus, you know, that, that you raised somebody from the dead. Jesus, you walked on water. And you're telling me that, that I am going to do the same things if I follow you and I believe in you, then, and even greater things? And this is where you come back to the empty tomb. Why does it matter? Well, if it is true, then we need to believe everything that Jesus said. And for the longest time, I, I read this verse as Jesus speaking directly to me. I tell you the truth, Mark, if you, know, you believe in me, you will do the same works, and you, 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 you. And it took many years for me to really understand the true magnitude of this, of this statement that, that, yes, I have, I have been saved, but I also have been saved for a purpose, that I've been invited into the body of Christ. And I think Paul does a really good job of, of really talking about what does it mean to live in the reality of the resurrection in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Paul starts off writing to the church in Ephesus, ever since I've heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. So what has caught Paul's attention here about the church in Ephesus? Their strong faith. And what is the, how is their strong faith being lived out? Through their love for other people. This is how people, to know the church, to know that we are living in the power of the resurrection is when the miracle of a group of broken, messy people are put together in a beautiful mosaic, a, a masterpiece is put together by the Creator's hand. In verse 16, he says, I have not stopped thanking God for you, and I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom. So number one, to give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Now, this is not just merely an intellectual understanding, but this is a knowing by experience. In Hebrew, it's yada. And you may have heard the Yiddish in, the, in, um, in Jewish uh, circles and, and in Seinfeld, the, the famous yada, yada, yada episode, right? It's a, you know by experience. You know the rest of the story, right? I was up in um, the mountains with my family, and an unexpected snowstorm came in, and all my friends were out there, yada, yada, yada. You all know how the story ends, because you've already experienced me telling you that story. So he goes on, he says I, in verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those who he called his holy people, people who are set aside for his purpose, who are his rich and glorious 
inheritance. And then he comes in in verse 19 and he says this very, very powerful thing. He says, I also pray that you will understand, and if you may want to, you know, if you highlight your Bible or something like that, highlighting understand, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. Understand the incredible greatness of God's power. We live in Him. Ted Chamberlain in his book, If This Is Your Land, Where Your Stories, said this, we need to understand our stories because our lives depend on it. We need to understand the stories of God. We need to understand the incredible power of God because our spiritual lives, our emotional lives, our intellectual lives, our social lives, and yes, even our physical lives depend on understanding the incredible greatness of God's power. And then he says these next famous words. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same mighty power that rose from the dead, rose Jesus from the dead, and dwells in us who are followers of Jesus, who have accepted the Holy Spirit. And something magnificent happens when we come into the larger community of God and that we use our God-given talents and gifts to come together. And I can tell you, and I've said this before, but I believe it's absolutely true when it comes to John 14, 12, about how we will do the same and even greater works than Jesus did. When you think about the body of Christ, Jesus fed 5,000. The church feeds 5,000 probably every minute of every single day. The, Jesus healed several blind people. The church has, has invested and, and helped thousands, if not tens of thousands of people to see. Jesus healed the lame, but his body, the body of Christ, the church, when they accept the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, have, have made hundreds of thousands of the lame to walk. Miracle after miracle and a miracle. And you might be sitting there and going, well, that's not a miracle, Mark. Yeah. It's not a miracle that that broken, messy people come together with different political views and different backgrounds and different, different uh, economic statuses and different languages and come together in the name of Jesus and that people halfway around the world are blessed. That's not a miracle. That is not the power of Jesus Christ because I can tell you within myself, left to my own devices, if I didn't have you guys, and hopefully if you didn't have me to rely on, 
I would spiral. I could not do anything. That it is the same power in me and in you that raised Jesus from the dead, that when we can come together, that we will live out the John 14, 12. He continues on in verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. And then verse 23, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere. We exist in his story. And when when we join in his story, we become part of the greatest story ever told. We are filled with the same power that created the heavens and the earth. We are filled with the same power that parted the Red Sea. We are filled with the same power that tumbled the walls of Jericho. We are part of the same power and have the, and dwells in us that, that made the sun stand still. We, are, we have the same power and dwells in us that healed the blind, healed the sick, healed the lame. Let me tell you, healed me. He healed me. Who gave me purpose in this life and gave me a passion for things that are yet unseen. Why does it matter if Jesus rose from the dead or not? It makes all the difference in the world. Because I don't believe that outside of the power of the Holy Spirit that all of these other things could possibly happen. That I don't believe that, that liberals and conservatives and, and, I don't know, Gator fans and Seminole fans, you know, that, that could come together and say, you know what, we are more passionate about being the tangible hand of Christ to seeing the lame walk and the blind to see and the emotionally distressed, uh, comforted, and the, the outcast brought into community than we care about all those other things. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead raised me from spiritual, emotional, social, and intellectual death. And that power is available to all of us. And I think that the church, some part of our history has done a disservice and, and has focused on just an individualistic salvation, that it's just me and you, Jesus. And although that is true, that is not the whole truth. And the whole truth is that yeah, you are saved, but you are saved for a purpose. That you have a part in a local body. It may or may not be this one. 
but I wholeheartedly believe that you have been uniquely wired, that you've been trusted with your experiences, you've been entrusted with your scars, you've been entrusted with your means and your money and your talent to bind together with other people who have been radically transformed by the reality of the resurrection to do greater works than Jesus ever did. Because the reality is, it is we as the body of Christ who are extension of Jesus's ministry, an extension of the gospel. The same power that indwells in me, that indwells in you who follow Jesus Christ, when we come together, that power transforms brokenness into wholeness, loneliness into community. It matters and it changes things. But you have to take that step into trusting Jesus, but also trusting and being part of a broken, messy community. And when that happens, I'm not saying your life's going to be purpose, per, purpose perfect. I guarantee you it's not. But I will tell you that you will experience more depth and meaning, and you will be part of the greatest story ever told. Will you pray with me?